0: We're located in the Markin Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Suite C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, so last week we talked about, uh, we finished up talking about um, the physical and emotional, the body and the soul, and how those passions drive your day. And, and so one of the things that we, uh, we do want to talk about is, is um, he shared that verse in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 uh, through 34. It says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But you seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all the things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient uh, for the day is its own trouble. And so we talked about that last week. And one of the things that, that we do need to, to understand is like if if we're going to depend on the Lord for our security, for our, just our, our every need, whether it's food, water, clothing, um, I, I'd Honestly, I think what we do is we fail to recognize the spiritual need that we have, and that's what he was talking about. It's easy to look at the physical and the emotional, and we talked about that when we shared the verse in Mark chapter 12, verse 31, last week uh, on Sunday. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no greater commandment greater than these, and so there is no other commandment greater than these. The, the thing to remember about that is, like, you do love yourself. And the first thing you usually do when you wake up in the morning is you're dealing with your physical and your emotional side. And the spiritual side that needs to, to be, that's thirsty, needs to be quenched as well. And so the question is, is how do you know if you're putting the kingdom of God first? And that's a question for all of us as he talks about the um, the feast of booths and how they're dependent when they were in the desert for the, for their every meal for their water and and uh, you know if we're struggling with putting the the God's kingdom first it's going to come out we'll know uh, it says when when I need guidance to make decisions where do I go first now this is not in your book this is something I was when I, when I was looking at that, that that verse where it says in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6 it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. What, what does that look like for you individually? To seek first the kingdom of God. See, a lot of times what happens is things fail and then we seek first the kingdom of God. The thing you're supposed to do is seek first God's kingdom first. Right? We need a building. Starts with prayer. You know, we can search all day long in the, in the paper. But it, God knows exactly what we can afford. God knows exactly what we need. And so we need to be praying for that. But are we going to seek first the kingdom of God? Or are we going to talk about needing to build until we're blue in the face? It's not going to help anything. But we do the same thing in our, in our own lives when things are going on in our own lives. Uh, we, we, we tend to seek the things of the world for answer, the world's perspective. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go to God for our, uh, our, our direction. And I love in 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 7. I'll, I'll probably pick it up in uh, there in verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, of Tish, Tishbun and Gilead, and said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom, uh, whom I stand, there, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And this is very important here because this is where a lot of us would check out and try to figure things out on our own. In verse 2 it says, And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and head yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, and you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Right? Nope. A lot of us would be like, this is not how I would deal with this. There's no rain, there's no water, I need to get jugs, I need to try to track water. No, God is telling them, this is where you're going to go. There's a brook where you can drink. I'm going to feed you with ravens. And the thing that's really crazy about this is ravens were considered unclean. So God is allowing them to be fed by an unclean bird. Which they wouldn't have anything to do with. But God said, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. This is where most of us struggle. You're not doing what what is according to the word of the Lord. You're doing what is according to you. And the emotional and the physical side. And not the spiritual He did exactly what God had told him to do. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And what does God do? God moves him on. This is the first Uber Eats done by a bird. Right? God provided. This is where you go. This is where the food will be. It's, it, we have to be obedient, so seeking first the kingdom of God requires obedience in the word of God. And, and we pick up the story as it picks up in uh, verse 12 in uh, First Kings chapter 17. It says, "And she said, "As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and little oil in a jug. So God sends them here uh, to the widow and her son." And I, I, and now I'm gathering the couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. They didn't have anything else. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not, not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth and she went and did as Elijah said now none of that makes sense you're fixing to have your last meal and die and he's saying you you won't run out of oil and flour until the rain hits the earth but again are you going to trust that because this is God's wisdom not ours this is the way God does things not the way we do them and she went and did what Elijah said and she and her whole household ate for many days the jar of flour was not spent neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that has, uh, he had spoke by Elijah so God took care of the widow and the son and Elijah but are you trust God to do the same for you because living according to the will of God is depending on the Holy Spirit and that comes back to living the greatest commandment we talked about this week in Mark chapter 12 verse 30 and 31 it says and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other, great, no other commandment greater than these. The other thing that happens and the reason we don't put God first is we have too much idolatry in our lives. Too many things that need to go away that are not of God. And 1 John chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Now, He's not talking little kids. He's talking us. We're His children. And the thing is, is we pursue imitations, false gods, instead of seeking God first. We allow these things of the world to, to become a false god in our life. And it becomes idolatry. Putting God first means that we strive to follow in Jesus' steps. Alright, so one of the things we do need to do is we need to strive to follow Jesus' steps. This is important for us to do. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, for, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. So the example that we are to be is to be like Christ. So if we're putting the kingdom of God first, that means that we are doing the things that Jesus did by words, action, and doctrine. Jesus glorified God in every detail of his life, and we should be doing the same. That's why it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, it's saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my but yours be done let me tell you we're in a, in a, in a place of our society where there is going to be suffering um, and, and you need to be, w- be willing to handle what's coming and still be ready to follow in the steps of Christ I'm afraid that, that some we've already seen a great falling away uh, and and I think the, the herd is being thinned out more, unfortunately. We've seen so many people just fall away from God. We've seen so many people that have just pulled off to things that are not of God. But for us, one of the things I'm praying is, look, I, I don't know what you're going through tonight, but seek first the kingdom of God. There's obedience and blessing in that. It's it's one of those things that... that people struggle with and and you know when we put the kingdom of God first that means that our, our, our God is not getting our leftovers and, and too many cases instead of God getting our first fruits he's getting our leftovers our time our talent our treasure our leftover even in our personal relationship he's getting our leftovers And and understanding that we live a moment by moment life of, of selfless service to God. And that that's that is from us obeying and trusting Him and putting God above all else. And so as we yield control, we experience the rivers of living water. You have to give up that control. And that's where so many people struggle is they're not willing to, to 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 trust that God's got this because you look at your problem being bigger than God, and that's where we we mess up. We talked about the the feast of the tabernacles and uh, when they had the feast of the tabernacles, we kind of went over this when we were in. Um, in, in Nehemiah, as they would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a way that they would celebrate um, how God took care of them in the desert, and they would live in temporary houses made out of out of palms, um, and and to remind them that the the water came from the rock that God provided. And there's a video I I showed it to our school of ministry, and it's they don't allow. <clears throat> people to to uh to see it it's actually covered by the Saudi Arabia and the rock is split there's a big split and you can see where the river ran down there's there's riding on the it's and it's it's because it's holy ground not holy ground of Jesus or holy ground of God it's holy ground because it's muslim and they don't want nobody around it and if they catch you around there they chase you off with guns. and uh, But there is the rock that was split. And they believe it's in that same area. Um, but one of the things in the feast. Jesus stands up and says. If anyone thirsts let him come to me. And drink. He who believes in me. Right. And he said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus yields our lives to His control, and we experience the Holy Spirit through rivers of living water. And that passage in John, it's, it's two reasons. Because the day Jesus chose to make this statement, the Apostle John said it was the last and the greatest day of the feast. And we'll talk about that. And then the other thing was it's the first time Jesus ever spoke about the new relationship with falleners, having uh, the Holy Spirit. Remember now, the Holy Spirit at this point... In the Old Testament, is something that came upon you and could be taken from you. So if you think about King Saul, it came upon King Saul and it was removed. Because he was disobedient to God. When we receive the Holy Spirit, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. It remains in you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what Jesus is talking about on the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. He's, he's introducing it and talking about it. And so, um, just remember, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, it symbolizes the power and the presence of God. Um, the men of Israel would actually build temporary shelters for their families out of palm branches. And, and it was to represent the time that they lived in exile in the desert. In the book of Nehemiah, we remember they, they were reading the book of Nehemiah. And, and uh, when they all gathered together for the word of God. And this is what's beautiful about that book. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 13. It said on the second day the heads of the fathers of all the people. The priests and the Levites came together to Ezra and the scribe in order to study the word, words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord has commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that they should proclaim it and publish it in, their, in all their towns in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills, bring branches of, the, uh, of olive and wild olive, uh, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on its roof and in their courts, in the courts of the house of God, in the square, at the water gate, and at the square at the gate of Ephraim. And it's important for us to understand one of the things they were doing is the head of the fathers. They had already read the word of God. And they were coming together on the second day. On the second day to read the word of God. They read about the Feast of Booths. And guess what they do? They do what God's word tells us to do. They actually do it. And it's not just. And I, I love this verse because men. You're the head of the head of the fathers came together to study the word of God. It's important for y'all to be in God's Word. Actually do what what God's Word says. So they were being faithful to God. And it's important for us to remember they were making temporal, temporal homes. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. It says these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. This is not your home. Okay. This is important to understand. This is not your home. We get too comfortable. Right. We want to have the best things, the best car, but this is not home. Your home is in heaven. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, but I think when the stuff has a hold of us, that's the problem. I remember the first time we got our car, brand new car, to us it was brand new. Um... nice and it was nice and clean tires we just got it off the lot got home and a bird right on the windshield as soon as we got home and I, to me it was God's way of reminding me hey this is nothing that you shouldn't let this thing have a hold of you it's nice that you have a van it's cool it wasn't this van it was a couple of vans ago but it was like all of a sudden it was like boom big old Right on the windshield. And it was just like a reminder, hey, this is going to get burned up. Keep a light touch on it. We used to have a guy that would wash his car every day when I lived at Fort Knox. Sometimes twice a day. He spent more time on the car than he did with his wife. That car had become an idol to him. I had... I don't... I I don't I I I don't ever remember seeing that car dirty out of all the times I I knew that guy. I'm telling you, every time he would see him, he'd be out there washing the car. But remember, this is not your home. This is not your home. And and that's why these temporal homes that they were making during the Feast of the the Tabernacle or the Feast of Booths is, is important for us to remember that These were temporal homes that were being made, and for us, we are not, this is not where you're going to, you're going to spend eternity, right? I mean, when we go down to, when we go to the men's retreat, we drive down to Camp Buckner, and you see these million-dollar homes on the lake, three, four stories high, beautiful, but they're not taking it with them. Not a a piece of it. And we got people in in Kentucky that are trying to figure out where food's coming from tonight. You see where our... our, Sometimes our our thought process is wrong. Even as, as Christian. So one of the things they did talk about is the Watergate. And there was actually a ceremony that they would do. They would actually fill a golden picture... Uh, with the water from the pool of Shalom or Siloam as- and, uh, and they would walk it down as the trumpets would blast and the people were chanting and praising God in Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 it says with joy you will draw water from the well of, wells of salvation so it's a very uh, dramatic scene but it's the same scene to remind us that they have to do this every day they have to fill the pitcher every day. And what what Lloyd Pulley is talking about in this book is l- torrents of living water. Rivers of living water. Not something that you have to fill up and pour every day. We look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 17. It says, And the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths from far of the days of Jeshua the son of Nun to that day the people of Israel had not done so and there was very uh, very great rejoicing and day by day for the first day to the last day he read from the book of the law and they kept the feast 7 days and on the 8th day there was solemn assembly according to the rule i love that because everyone came out as he read the word of god First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it's uh, a, a reminder of the desert journey for those 40 years. And all drank the spiritual drink from that drink from the spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Jesus. And that's why he says in verse 38, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. so the question you have to ask yourself is do you feel spiritually dry tonight he's the rock he's the one that supplies It's Jesus in Colossians chapter 2 verse 17 it says these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ their, their most pressing need was water They were in a desert. Anybody who's been in the desert, that is your most pressing need. And God provided for them in a miraculous way. But he also wants to provide for you. But if anyone is thirsty, you come to me. And what happens is is what we'll do is we'll do religious activities. We do those on Sunday and Wednesday, right? Right? And so we're, we're filling up our pitcher. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. It's, it's seven days a week. The rivers of, of the torrents of living waters pouring out of you. But you're over there trying to fill up your pitcher like the Feast of Booth each day. Just get enough water to make it through the day. And we can do religious activities and feel like we're spiritual but it doesn't satisfy your thirst only God can do that What's the problem is the church has spent so much time trying to entertain and, and put on all these productions and, and, and bring in worldly thinking and it's, it's destroying the church because there's no torrents of living water. We're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel has gotten away from this. And this is something they need to get back to. We, we were a, a movement led by the Holy Spirit. And, and we've gotten too caught up in all the pomp and circumstance of how do we grow churches. And how do we do marketing. and No. You know how, it, how a church grows? Is you following the kingdom of God first. You taking the steps to follow what Christ did. And being obedient to God. And doing things God called you to do. And you're being Christ-like. And those torrents of living water that are pouring and flowing out of you. They start providing thirst for other people around you, and they want to know where you're getting that from. Somebody told the woman at the well, I, "I have water that you'll never you'll never be thirsty again." But we we have to remember, you know, we are we're we're not supposed to be so focused on our 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 physical and emotional, but the spiritual. Isaiah 64 6 says we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like uh, polluted garment. We all fade like leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us all away. Your righteous deeds are and mine polluted garments. You're not that important. I can be replaced tomorrow. God can put somebody else in here tomorrow. If I'm not being dependent on the, the Holy Spirit, I don't need to be here. And and that's a reminder to us. It's like my relationship, the source f- for me, so I don't go spiritually thirsty, is understanding that that the only way that I have that, That thirst quenched is Jesus Christ and my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants for our lives. He doesn't want you trying to do this on your own. And some of y'all are carrying buckets. Running each day trying to fill up the bucket. By by 12 o'clock you're out of water. You need to go run back and go fill up the bucket again. See, we need to learn, what was Jesus' greatest need? His Father. Our greatest need is Jesus. You can't keep running and filling up the picture. Now, let me tell you something. As a pastor, no, I can't. I cannot take on every one of your problems. And what I mean by that is I pray, I'll give biblical counseling... But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. You have a family, you have kids. There's enough worry just for that, right? Enough prayer to go just for that. As a pastor, you know, I have to be so dependent on the Holy Spirit, I cannot become spiritually dry. And I love the thing that he gave. Because my job here is to teach the word of God. What's going to change your life? God's word. That's why we do verse by verse teaching. We don't, we don't do Jesus. I don't come in here and try to give you a bunch of manipulation of the scripture. We teach the context of scripture. Which is exegesis. Meaning context is king. We don't try to add our own opinion to it. We see a lot of that happening right now. But as a pastor, my job is to come in and be prepared to teach the Word of God and to be here for biblical counseling, to pray with you, to walk alongside you, to live life with you. And let me tell you something. My warts and your warts are all going to get exposed because there is not a perfect person in the church. Not one. Not even Chuck Smith. Okay? As if you remember, Chuck didn't even want nothing to do with the hippies. He was K. See, we all get things exposed. And Chuck was a pastor at the time. We're not perfect. My job is not to fix your problems. My job is to point you to Jesus. And if you're giving biblical counseling to somebody, your job is to point them to who? Not you. To Jesus. To His Word. Through prayer. You can't fix their problems. The Holy Spirit can. Now, that's a lesson I learned very early on. And I tried to be the Holy Spirit. As a young young Christian. We do that. We think I got to sit and walk alongside this person. And this person had no, nothing to do with Christ. They just kept going back. I, man, I would t- man you're, you're back in sin. You're in sin. It's like, you know what? I can share the Word of God with you if you don't want to do it. What else am I going to do besides just keep praying for you? And I'll listen. And there's going to come a time when your sin gets so bad, you're going to need biblical counseling. And my door is open. That's why he said, when, when church happens on Sunday, and I love this, and he said, a single mother who feels as though she's being crushed under the weight of her own responsibility shows up. An elderly man who's frustrated and angry because his health is failing. A young man who's tempted by sexual sin and tormented with guilt. A teenager who's listening uh, with a TikTok span. He's not paying attention. A businessman who's caught in the depths of depression. A Sunday school teacher who's clinging to faith by a fingernail. A married couple who's hardly speaking to each other at home. A frustrated parent looking for confidence. And I've seen this before. A widow whose eyes still fill with tears as her hand touches the empty seat beside her. A cancer patient who needs reason to go on. A nurse who's exhausted from a 12 or 13 hour shift. A lonely soul who's looking for companionship. A new Christian who just wants to build his faith. A tired ministry. Leader who's longing for a boost an elderly an elder in need of a power and they're all expecting it from one person who stands up to preach on Sunday and you know what the fun part about that is it's not anything that I do it's all in God's word it's what God does it's through the Holy Spirit as a pastor everything I need to say is said from the pulpit It's, it's done through God's Word because it's only God that can reach a person through the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And God uses us unworthy vessels, dirty garments, filthy, to preach His Word. And then He uses that Word to empower His people. It's the Word of God that does that. And you can't come just on Sunday and fill your bucket up and expect that to last you till Wednesday. It's like you have to be in the Word too. And that's why it says in in John 7 verse 38, whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you want those torrents of living water out of you, you've got to believe in Him and follow Him. That's where it all starts. You're coming to Him. And we can't mix, and this is one of the things I love that he talked about because this is a big problem in the church today. You can't mix your religion with other worldly things. Okay? And what do we mean by that? Uh, he, he gives the example of uh, Jesus on the dashboard of a car with other religious medals uh, on there. or that uh, you could think about it just coexist, that thing that would be on people's car. Um, other oxymorons, Christian witchcraft. They're actually this is actually being taught now. that you could be a Christian and do witchcraft because there are good witches. You laugh, but this is pulling people away from God. This is happening because people's foundations are not set. Holy yoga. There's no such thing. And there are churches that are doing this today. You're introducing worship to a false god in the church. And if you're participating in yoga as a Christian, you're worshiping a god during yoga. Balance paganism. I've got my ticket to heaven. I can kind of do this thing over here. It's okay. God's going to forgive that sin. No. This was the one that was really crazy. Gospel Enneagram. I don't know if y'all have heard of this one. So, Gospel Enneagram is actually a personality structure. That's developed for spiritual and psychological qualities. It's to find your true unraveled mystery of true identity. And this is now being done in the church as well. So what they do is they, they, they take scientific, medical, and physiological validations. And it's completely absent of scripture and people are falling for this stuff. So, this stuff is happening today. Another thing that's an oxymoron in the church progressive Christianity. There's no such thing. And yet, we're seeing an apostasy in America where many people are taking God's word. Again, they're Jesus, meaning that they're adding whatever they want into it to make it fit their, their, their ideas i.e., a church can be pro choice. No, it can't. God creates life. That's why I spent that time going over that with you. There's a pastor in Atlanta now that's actually talking about that churches that are pro life or churches that are for life are demonic. This stuff is happening. And so, what what Lloyd is saying is like, you can't be mixing. What kind of water are you drinking? It's like you're adding Gatorade to your living water. It's turning colors. You can't drink that. But yet, that's what people do. They're mixing stuff in with their Christianity. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You have to ask the question then who are you following? Are you putting the kingdom of God first? Remember, coming to Jesus is abandoning everything and choosing to follow Him. I love what Lloyd had here. He says, "Are you weary and feeling somewhat crushed under the load of 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 your responsibilities? Come to Jesus. Are you frustrated and angry over diminishing strength and energy due to failing health? Come to Jesus." Are you tired of? Uh, are you a tired servant, exhausted church worker, or an elder that needs the power and perseverance? Come to Jesus. Are you defeated by sin, swallowed up by guilt, in need of a personal revival? Come to Jesus. So many people are dealing with so many different things, whether it's depression, discouragement. Fear, like you, a lot of people freak out when they see like this new, they have this new thing that comes out or this new, they're calling it another. There's this other pandemic possibly or this other thing that's happening in the, in, I'm trying not to say it without getting popped by the thing. But but you have all these different things that are going on in the in the world and it freaks people out. And they have fear and it, it paralyzes them. You can have doubt. Loneliness. But you put all of that aside and you come to Jesus. You give it to Jesus. In Ezekiel seven, uh, 47 verse 5 it says, And again he measured a thousand, and there was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen And it was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And that's the Holy Spirit. The torrents of rushing water. Some of you have only dipped your toes in it. And God's asking you to jump in. You just Anybody who's been on a river, man, you don't have to get but about ankle deep and you'll, you're gone. You get enough water power going. That's what he's telling you. You need to get in the water and go, you're going to survive, but you need to trust me. You can put your pail down at the riverbank because you don't need to fill it up anymore and jump in. Stop dipping your vessel in there and jump in. Don't just dip your toes in every now and then when something's going on. My life is going crazy. Let me dip my toes in. It's like you want to have that power. Man, I'm going to tell you what, man. It is when you see the power of the Holy Spirit and it starts moving and we get to be a part of it. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing that God allows us to be a part of it. But I'm telling you, don't be the Holy Spirit. You don't fix nobody. God's trying to work on the person in the mirror. You. You point people to Christ. That was one of the things early on when we, when we first started counseling. You don't point them to yourself. You point them to Christ. You always point them to Christ. God is trying to do a work in you, and he's trying to get you to jump into the rivers of living water. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.